This is DWZ Podcast with J-Rod here, Deleted WrestleZone's very own podcast of professional wrestling from AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. I am your host, J-Rod here. So, let's begin, folks. I want to say I uh, apologize for doing another podcast on a Monday. Um, initially, the reason this happened was because, if you may have been aware, and this is part of the podcast episode, we had a double NWA pay-per-view, and I'm talking about, of course, NWA Empower, and of course, the 73rd. I could not resist watching those shows no matter what. I had to get everything done. I had to keep up with whatever I was scheduled to do to review every show that there was. It doesn't matter if it's in Japan, the U.S., UK, your mama's basement, whatever. But let's get started with the interesting topics that we've been hearing. As you know, Adam Cole is now officially a free agent. Now, some of you WWE fans are probably upset. Like, how can WWE do this? Are they blind? We don't want him to go to AEW. That may be true. There's a reason why. If you've been aware or not, WWE had the tendency to lie about Promises that they keep to every superstar. Now, don't get me wrong. We cannot deny Adam Cole's performance as a wrestler, you know, and, and that kind of plays out pretty well because what we do know about Adam Cole, he is a phenomenal wrestler. He is a really impressive guy we can enjoy. Of course, we like to say, Adam Cole, baby. Now, if you guys may have heard, he does not have a non-compete clause. He already finished his contract. It's done. Now, you probably say, but how does that work? Now, I'm going to make this short and simple. If you were released, they'll give you a non-compete clause, you know. But if he was in NXT, he would have gotten for 30 days, which made more sense. But, however, since his contract was up, he doesn't get that. And that happened with one particular person that we know of. I'm talking about John Moxley. Now... You're probably saying, why would he want to go to AEW? Simple. Look, there's two reasons. One, he is good friends with the Bucks and Kenny since he was a member of the Bullet Club. And, of course, his girlfriend is there, the, his real-life girlfriend. I'm talking about Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Now, that's one of the main things that we can agree on. But, however, what are the pros and cons? I mean, he could wrestle with any guy he could want, anybody who fits a standard it would make a classic match for him and he did that already in nxt i mean with johnny gargano tomasa champa paul mcafee um the, and kyle o'reilly i mean the list goes on and on and cons i mean who knows what cons would could have been i mean we would have but the wwe that's something that was already been established some of you WWE fans who are listening you're saying what would what, what they would have made him a big star? I would agree, but the problem is, is the promises that they keep. AEW doesn't make promises; they see what they can do. Like they work around anybody who is established, and that's how it is with AEW. They just they don't make promises. They'll give them an opportunity to see to prove themselves. They want to be there. That's how it is, and you know, and that's what makes WWE and AEW different from each other. Now, we don't know when or where Adam Cole can make appearance, but we do know if he does go bound to AEW, 
He could go anywhere he wants. Now, AEW is top, probably on the top of the list. I don't know how Impact would feel about it, but we'll get there when we cross that bridge one day. Now, next up, we got the Iconics. As you know, they were released this past April after WrestleMania. And it was a bit of a shock. But I did mention many times to various friends that the Iconics are more of a legit tag team. Which I'm cool with. But however, the real question was, where would they go? Now for me, my thoughts, Impact Wrestling. Why? A, they would be a perfect addition for the Knockouts Tag Team Division. That is something that I always believe they could do. They are perfect. They're legit. And that's how I see it. And some of you probably say, but wait a minute, isn't Peyton Royce married to Sean Spear? It would have been easier. It would. But who knows? But if, But I did hear that Impact are interested in assigning them. They even appear in Nashville where they're doing their tapings. Which is cool, not to take away from anything, but we don't know yet if it's a done deal. Now, however, there's more that there's that many people don't know. Recently, now the Iconics are now going by a new name. It just been announced, the Inspiration. It's the same double I, you know, signature that they use on the Iconics, but now it's the Inspirations. I have to say, I like the name. It fits them well, and I heard that they're going to do a some sort of inspirational tour. North tour dates have been announced, but if they do, I definitely got to go check them out, you know. And recently, I did hear about uh, Cassie Lee, uh, better no, formerly known as Peyton Royce, where um, she wants to do the singles competition in she feels like, you know, this is something that WWE denied her too many times. I mean, we were we were thinking, okay, it was bound to happen to break up the Iconics, but why in the hell did they drag her back in tag team, teaming her up with Lacey Evans? It makes no sense. But if I was managing uh, Cassie Lee, a.k.a. Peyton Rose, I'd say, look, keep the inspiration slash iconic thing legit in the impact, but you should do singles competition in the independence or any other promotion they would want to see them. And, I, and that's how I would make it happen, if that was me. But uh, who knows what she'll go with, but I'm very excited for this. Now, next subject. If you guys have been watching AEW Dark, as you may or may not have heard, AEW Dark is now going to be filmed at Universal Studios in Orlando. Now, some of you are saying, but wait a minute, don't they normally film this like after the, the Dynamite? Yes, they do. But however, they want to make this more interesting. And from what I'm understanding, they're using the same area where they did the soundstage at, uh, for what Impact Wrestling did in the past, which is totally cool. I'm okay with that. Um, it's still no clue who's going to be commentating because normally it, when it comes to Dark, it's normally Excalibur and Taz, and it wouldn't surprise me if Taz goes to Orlando and do this, and Excalibur would do the same thing. But 
uh, we'll see what happens. Um, it's still no announced when is the due date, but I will follow on Dark. But I did hear from this that Elevation will continue to be taping prior before Dynamite. And of course, AEW Dark will be open to the public as well. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, the guy, people from Orlando are, in, in fact, um, very happy with it. I'm, I'm not happy with it, too. I'm not going to lie. But um, basically, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm happy for it. But we'll see what happens then. Now, as you know, recently I talked about this, about Emi Sakura. Uh, as you know now, she is officially now in AEW with appearing at Dark or Elevation. But there was talk that they want to expand the Choker Pro shows that they normally do in Japan. And um, recently, this surprised me. Apparently, Daniel Garcia, this guy who made his name right now out there, apparently said he wants to go to Japan and be in part of a Choco Pro. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. And I did not expect this coming from him, but I did not know it was interesting. But however, Emi Sakura had a better suggestion. Let's make Choco Pro here in the United States. I'm like, wow, so it's really, really going to happen. I think it took a bit of time for some someone to notice saying, you know what, I want to do this. This is very interesting. I don't know if Daniel Garcia saw any of the Choco Pro shows. If, if he did, I think he'd find it very interesting that it's a different type of wrestling show that none of us would ever see. Now, if you guys haven't seen any of the Choco Pro events, go watch it. You'll be, like, surprised. You'll be entertained. It's the most fun show. The Choco Pro is part of Got to Move Pro Wrestling, the promotion that Emmy Soccer ran. And, yes, they do have regular rings, but they haven't done that in quite some time. Because Choco Pro is her flagship. It's the beginning of what started. She started doing this when she uh, when she started this promotion in Thailand. And it became a huge hit. I've seen videos with Kenny Omega and Rio. But back to Daniel uh, Garcia. I was very amazed that he really wants to do this. And apparently, his first opponent in a Choco Pro match, it's none other than Pencil Army! Pencil Army! Lulu Pencil. Yes, Lulu Pencil, who's now currently living with Emi Sakura, being her translator and helper, slash assistant, slash whatever, and now today on AEW Dark, uh, Dark Elevation, she is now the butler. And now she's going to wrestle Daniel Garcia, and of course, uh, Emi Sakura is going to play the referee. Now, I'm like, whoa. And they, of course, they want to do this in Chicago. I'm like, this is something I definitely could watch. And guess who else isn't really, really interested in this? And that is none other than our resident commentator, Mask Luchador, Excalibur. I'm like, wow. It's picking up. I know some of you are saying, but how could anybody pay attention to that? Well, it starts small, but it will build up. Now, I, here's the wrestlers who I would love to see go to Choco Pro. Do a Choco Pro event with Emi Sakura. And here's the list of people that I have in mind. Jungle Boy. Marco Stunt. 
possibly all the members of Jurassic Express. Sammy Guevara. Fuego Del So. Uh, maybe some members of the Dark Order. I'm thinking maybe, maybe Evil Uno. Ten. No, Scratch Ten. Uh, Alan Five Angels. Jo uh, John Silver. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Maybe Orange Cassidy. I don't know. I would love to see some of these guys from AEW do these type of events. I'm like, wow. If it does become success, they probably call it AEW Chocopro on YouTube. I'm like, what about the gotcha move? But I'm sure they'll compromise, like allow to put the Chocopro stuff on AEW YouTube and also ones on the gotcha move. I would say it would be a successful on it because... I mean, here's the thing. Not a lot of people here in the States probably see it. But if they do, I definitely will. Many fans probably would pick up a whole lot. And I'm like thinking this would be a big, good beginning for having a different type of wrestling show involved. And I'm very excited to, to see it because it, it's something that has been talked about. But the real question, can it be done? Now... The latest news came in this past Saturday, or Sunday, whatever the two is, in Japan. We had the return of Azuki. Now, some of you probably saying, who the hell is Azuki? She's a Yoshi wrestler who I've been following since I learned more about Oda Tai. And apparently, Azuki was once part of stardom. She was involved with many... Uh, with. Oda Tai before she retired two years ago. She's been gone for almost a year and eight months. Now, let's talk about Azuki's past. She is a really fantastic wrestler, very capable. Um, she was one of the most prominent wrestlers, and I think she was also involved in high speed as well. But however, um, about a year and a half, about a, a year and eight months ago, she shockingly announced her retirement to the public now keep this mind she was still young right now she's 23 and i'm assuming she must have been 21 or tw 20 or 21 years old at the time now some of you probably say why did she retired now this is the part that be becomes interesting the reason of her retirement apparently since and if you guys know this in the timeline bushi road the company that runs uh owns uh, new japan pro wrestling purchased uh, stardom but apparently there were certain wrestlers that they wanted to get rid of and Azuki was one of them but there was a few reasons why this is the thing about Azuki that many people may or may not know Azuki has a very private life she doesn't talk about it she refuses to talk about anything there was a video I saw on YouTube where members of Oda Tai that consistent of not only Azuki um Natsu Sumure uh Natsuko Toro, which she had a different look, along with uh, Miyagi, and of course, leader Kagetsu, they wanted to explore more about her about her past, about her life. She, They asked her, uh, can she cook? She said she makes instant ramen. They initially laughed at her. She doesn't even know the difference between shampoo, what brands are from shampoo and, and perfume. But at the same time, there was one that kind of spread upon about her cell phone plan. This was given by Kagetsu asking her, what is her her cell phone plan, you know, where you pay month to month? And she says she doesn't know. Now, the original assumption was that she had a sugar daddy. Now, she seems embarrassed to, to hear this from coming from 
not to, but much of her past doesn't know. Even Miyagi asked her, what is the public, tra uh, public transportation you take to go home? And she even they try to do get-togethers, and she never normally, how do I say, have people come over. She never explains why. Now, here's what happens. Because of her private life, Bushy Road were on the under the impression of certain speculations. Like, that maybe uh, the reason Azuki has her private, her life very private, was because that maybe she was involved with the Yakuza's. Now, if you guys don't know who they are, they are the Japanese Mafia, if you got, if you know what I mean. However, there was still no evidence about that. Uh, Azuki hasn't wrestled for almost a while, until recently back in May of, t this past May, on the 23rd of May, which was the Hanakamura uh, Mat Mamoru Matane show, where she teamed up with Kagetsu to do a match in honor of her fallen friend Hanakumura, and that was a great match. Now, there were people saying, are they coming out of retirement? Because she, it's been a while. I mean, she's still young, and it's surprisingly that she can still do it. But this past uh, Saturday, or Sunday, actually, she showed up. She showed up at a event, at Stardom event, during the Grand Prix uh, tournament. And it was after the match between Mayu Iwatani and, of course, um, Lady C. And she just made her presence known. Now, it's still unclear what are her intentions. Is she going to rejoin Odatai or she's going to be part of a new faction? I don't know. It's still unclear. Now, for me, I'm thinking that Bushiroad finally uh, decided to bury the hatchet. Or, there's the obvious. Bushiroad wants to boost the ratings for stardom. Now, they have been trying to get Io Shirai and Kairi Sane to return to stardom. However, WWE are not going to let that happen. Even though Kairi Sane is back in Japan, they're not going to allow her to return to stardom to boost the ratings. And that's the one thing that happened. Now, with Azuki was one of the most popular was part of a much popular faction of of stardom, Oda Tai. And they, people called Oda Tai of that time, during Nazuki and Kagetsu's time, the golden era. And it was true. It was one of the, from, my, from what I understand, they were one of the most heavily popular fa uh, uh, heel factions in stardom. They were they had this goofy look, and, I, and it, it worked pretty well. And right now, I feel like maybe Bushiroad are saying, we need to boost the ratings. Now that, Azuki's back. The real question remains Is Kagetsu coming back too? That is a question that we need to consider. Now, would Kagetsu take over again, um, Odatai, and put it back into what it was back then? I don't know. It all depends on what Bushi Road wants. But if they do, apparently, the reason Kagetsu retired was because there were certain things that they did not like about her. Uh, there were uh, accusations about her abusing her power as train as a trainer. I don't know. Kagetsu, she's like in her late 20s. Still good. I mean, she even appeared in that one show with the Hanakamura Memorial Matane show. It's still unclear what's really happening. But if she does come back, it'll be great for the ratings in, uh, in stardom, and I can't wait to see that. Now, let's talk about the NWA weekend in Power and 73rd. Now, let's talk about the Empower. Man, what a great show. 
It opened up with a great promo by Mickey James. And I think people were getting emotional. Now, I always say this to people. It's okay to cry, damn it. But it's so great. And I would love to see WWE complain. Like saying, how is it this was successful? Now, they think a women's brand will not sell out. A women's brand will not make money. I have to say they did a pretty good success. Now, let's talk about certain of the, the matches that they had. There was a three-way match, which was the Battle of the Brands. We had Diamante uh, representing uh, AEW, Kali Ray representing NWA, and Chick Tormenta from AAA. It was one of the most interesting matches, but however, uh, Diamante really became like, okay, that's one for, for AEW. And I think it was pretty well. I say uh, Mickey James picked the right women for this one. The next one was a tournament for the NWA Women's Tag Team Tournament. Uh, we had two two matches from that. We had Hell on High Heels, consistent of Renee Michelle and Sahara Seven taking on the Hex, uh, Allison K and Marty Bell. Good match. I enjoyed the most uh, seeing Marty Bell and Allison K team up once again. It felt really great, and I have to say the Hex seems like the fan favorite in this, and I had a feeling they were going to win the moment I saw them. And then there's the next match was the Free Babes, consistent of second-generation female wrestlers. One of them is Jazzy Wang, who is the daughter of Yeehaw, Jimmy Wang. And I have to say, she did a pretty good job. Now, their opponents was Red Velvet and Kylie King of, of AEW. What a great match as well. It showed a lot of characterism on this one. It showed, I mean, I give props to the second-generation, the Free Babes. But uh, this match went in favor of Red Velvet and Kylie King. And they ended up in the finals against the Hex a little later. And then here comes Gail Kim doing a good promo. It was great. Like, she was almost about to burst into tears. But at the same time, she was interrupted by her one-time rival, uh, uh, Taryn Terrell, who feels Gail Kim should not have showed up in her turf. They used to hate each other. She brought in... Paula Mayfield and Genocide. But however, Awesome Kong shows up. And she wanted to bury the hatchet or end her career. Because if you guys remember, when Awesome Kong made her appearance in Impact Wrestling years ago, her first victim was none other than Gail Kim. And I think it's like, that was like the, the genesis of Awesome Kong's career. All the way to ending it here. In the revelations, and and that kind of felt in a, an ending. And of course, it was already been told that she was done, that she's done wrestling. And I don't blame her. I, I feel like, okay, it's great seeing her. We, we will never forget the awesome matches she was in. Now we got the the Impact Wrestling Knockouts title, which was pretty good. Melina versus Diana Perazzo, and I think in the storyline how this played out, Diana underestimated Melina. Mickey James warned her about her, but she was too stubborn not to recognize it. But Diana once again proving the virtuosa that she is the, in the top of her game, and once again uh, tossing her, uh, uh, scraping her feet off the mat up to Melina, showing her, you know, once again she's dominant. Then we got the women's tag team tournament, which was one heck of a match. I enjoyed it, but Medusa showed up because it was told they just 
uh, went to storage and found the NWA Women's World Tag Team titles that haven't been used since 1984. I'm like, wow. And the winner who gets, they become the first modern. And I have to say, the Hex Girls were the best uh, choice to win these matches because A, Marty Bell talked about saying the NWA has some history with the Dominican Republic. Marty Bell is a Dominican descent. And she wants to be the first ever Dominican to held that title. And she finally fulfilled her dreams. And that's kind of a very interesting match. And it was pretty good. I love it. And then we got the Women's World Championship. We have Camille versus Layla Hirsch. What a match. It's a battle of David versus Goliath. I'm, I was so impressed with Layla. Even for a woman, for Camille of her size, I don't I don't think she, I don't know if she underestimated her. Who knows? But it was a good match. But however, Camille retained the title. Now, the final match was the Women's Invitational Cup. You have Chelsea Green, Lady Frost, um, t uh, St. Louis's uh, Tootie Lynn. Um, who else I saw? Genocide. Paula, uh, uh, what's her name? Senegal, I think that's her name. A few others, and it was a good match. The real question is who was going to win it, and surprise, it was Chelsea Green, and she won. And the winner for this one will go face Camille at the 73rd event the following day. It was one heck of a match, and I have to say I love it. I enjoyed it. The Empower, I would love to see more of Empower, uh, like maybe making an annual or maybe two. I don't know, but it was a pretty good pay-per-view, and I give props to Mickey James. She stood up for all women's of wrestling, you know, and WWE, if you ever listen to me, go fuck yourselves. You guys should have seen this one. You say that they will make sell. It sell that show sold out. So you tell me, as a fifth grader, well, I'm not a fifth grader, but if I was a fifth grader, how did it happen? Well, you have no one but to blame. You let this happen. But if any if you, if fans says you need an all female brand and you don't do it, then that means you guys are way way out of touch. Now let's get to the seventy third event. We have the first match, a triple threat, a triple, a three-way match, which is called the Brawl in the Loop. We have Tim Storm, Tom Latimer, and Crimson. Now, Jackson attacked Crimson, and of course, Latimer took advantage of this whole brawl situation and attacked uh, Tim Storm, but the match was great. Crimson was out for a while, but he comes back injured, like saying, look, I'm a fighter. I'm not going to let this thing bother me. I'm like, wow. This guy has more balls than anybody I have ever met. I'm so stoked how this match went. But, however, it was Tim Storm who pulled off the victory when he pinned Crimson. And I have to say, it's great. I, I loved it. Now, the next match, we have a special women's match. We have Mickey James versus Kylie Ray. Great match. You have the younger generation versus... The older generation, I have to say, it fit perfectly, including Mickey James, who we all love. Hardcore country, and it's so good. And I have to say, Mickey James, she still got it. <coughs> but however, it did not end well for her in her post-match. She was attacked by a masked female, and it turned out to be Diana Perrazzo. She did this as payback for the couple of times she felt that she was 
disrespected, saying that she was stealing her moment, her spotlight, but that wasn't true. Mickey James wanted to embrace her, but the virtuosa, one day these days, she's going to wish she should not have disrespected a legend like Mickey James. And she has a lot of history with Impact. It wouldn't surprise me if Mickey James decides to challenge her for the Impact Knockouts title. Now, the next match is for the national championship between Chris Adonis and James Storm. This match was so good. Now, Chris Adonis, who is determined not to lose the title, he even tried the full Nelson lock. It did not work for him. It basically did not until finally he found a way to cheat his way to retain the title. He's strictly business will do whatever it takes to maintain their championship status. And that's what Adonis did. But James Storm, he still got it no matter what. I, we haven't seen him for quite some time since uh, he was supposed to be going with WWE, but it appears it may not happen. Um, who, I don't know if he's going back to Impact or he's going to stay with NWA. I don't know. It's still unclear on that part, but I give J, uh, James Storm's hands down what a great performance he pulled off here. But, of course, the biggest surprise was the man, the man, the myth, legend, Woo! Ric Flair showed up. I have to say, it was one of the most heartwarming promos I've ever witnessed. Especially when it comes to Ric Flair. Even Billy Corgan, according to Rick, he said, you're Ric Flair, do whatever you want. And that's what he did. And Velvet Sky, who was on commentary, kind of went on, uh, how to say, emotional. I mean... Like I said, Ric Flair's the legend here, and I am. I, he talks about guys from WWE like Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton, many others, including legends like Harley Race. All of that, he kind of great gave great, great stories, you know, and I would love to see. Ric Flair put a book out on this. I don't know if he does have one, but what a great promo. Now, the next match was a 12-man battle royale. Later became a 13-man. We had, this is for a number one contendership for the national title. They had guys like uh, JTG, Sal Renaro, and uh, I forgot who else, but this guy being accompanied by Father James Mitchell um, brought Judeas. And this guy was a freaking beast. And he seems like the one who was going to win this match because I was like, wow. He was utterly very impressive. And surprise, surprise. He won this match. Now, there was a match I skipped that I missed. It was a six-man tag team match. We have Jordan Clearwater, the masked man, who now goes by Zion, and Tyrus taking on the end. Otison and Pero, and joining them is the Pope. Now, the Pope has history with Tyrus. He lost his NWA television title, 
because uh, his manager, Austin Idol, feels that that he doesn't deserve to become world champion. He thinks that Tyrus is the real world champion material. But however, the match was good. But I think the best part, Zion blind tagged um, Ty Tyrus. Tyrus doesn't know what to make of it. Now, keep in mind, if you guys have been following recently, Tyrus was part of a champion series. What if he decides to challenge Tyrus for the NWA television title? That seems like the proper motive. And I'm sure the Pope wouldn't mind that because, A, he does have an opportunity, maybe one day, to go for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Who knows? But we'll see what happens. Next match is the women's title. Camille versus Chelsea Green. Good match. Awesome performance. I have to say, I like moments where Camille actually used psychological warfare. Like, using that injured wrist that, that Chelsea Green has. Because if you guys remember, she broke it during her time with WWE. And they played out well. And I, I never seen Camille use a submission before. And this is the first time. And she forced Chelsea Green to tap out. And once again, she retained the title. The next match, we have the World Tag Team titles between the challengers La Rebellion, Mecha Wolf, and Bestia 666. Being accompanied by Legend in the Lucha, Lucha, in the Lucha Libre scene, Conan. Facing on Eric Stevens and Kratos. Now, this match played a very psychological step where Rebellion were trying to separate Stevens away from Kratos. And it told the great story on that because the way I see it, the Rebellion always try to prove Kratos and Stevens are not a tag team. And that's what they did. And not to mention Conan helped them out. But it was... La Rebellion that became the first ever Latinos to obtain. One guy, Mecha Wolf, he is Puerto Rican descent. Bestia 666, a Mexican descent, become tag team champions. That is huge for the Latino community. Me, myself, I'm half Mexican, half Costa Rican. It's huge for anybody who watches this. Now we get to the main event. Career versus title. Great opening Aldis does not want to lose the title. He would do whatever it takes to hurt Murdoch to ensure he never wins the title. But I was surprised that none of the Strictly Business guys showed up. I'm like, uh, did he told them to stay? Or I think they told a fantastic story on this. What I have to say, great story, great match. I love it. I enjoyed it. But finally, Trevor Murdoch is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And the person who congratulated him is none other than, woo, Ric Flair. And I have to say, Flair really, really great gave a great promo about him, including Trevor Murdoch actually gave a great promo too. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen on NWA Power and see where they're going to go. And I have to say, it's a lot I had to take, take in. But right now, this is all the stuff that I talk. It's so great that you guys may enjoy to hear it because, you know, there's a lot. 
there's still more to come for me to put out. But for now, um, I have to say I enjoyed the NWA weekend. I am happy that Choco Pro is going to be expanding out here. Azuki's back. I'm great for that, too. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on, on Adam Cole, on his progress, see what happens. And, of course, see what the iconic slash inspiration will do. So, for now, I'll see you guys in the next DWZ time. Same DWZ channel. I must bid all of you adieu. So, goodbye. Mwah. And have a nice day. Bang!